Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wednesday night, March 17th. It is time for the Wrestling Inc. Wednesday night podcast. Wherever you're at, whether it's on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, we're happy you are subscribing and watching Wrestling Inc. And tuning in to see what we have to say tonight about two very interesting shows coming from AEW Dynamite and NXT. I'm Justin Labar, alongside my co-pilot. He's from Forbes.com. You can read him every single week. Alfred Kunoa. Alfred, what a Wednesday night. I'll say. Man, uh, that was a lot of fun watching, uh, particularly with AEW. But NXT had a really good show, I thought. Maybe not really good, but pretty good show. But I thought it was a fun night of wrestling. Yeah, NXT building to their uh, two-night takeover coming up on WrestleMania week in April. Dynamite having you know a St. Patrick's Day special, making history with their first ever women's match they've ever had in the main event. Boy, did that get violent. So stick around. Uh, you're not going to want to miss out on that one. If you didn't see it, you're definitely going to want to at least hear about it. Uh, and let's jump right into Dynamite, Alfred, uh, as they kick it off with Penta El Zero Mato up against Cody Rhodes. And, of course, they showed us real quick last week, Cody and Penta, War of Words, Penta taking it too far, uh, making making note of you're not even able to uh, hold up your, your, your newborn child. Uh, so already a lot of personal heat into this with only you know a few weeks of build. And uh, we go into this match, and this is uh, exactly what you kind of think of these two styles. Um, so, some good hard hitting, some good uh, grappling, some submission by Penta. Ultimately, though, we would see uh, just after Penta goes to snap the arm uh, on Cody's bad shoulder, Penta taunts, and that leaves up just enough opening for Cody to roll him up. So do you agree with Cody winning? Do you like Cody winning in a roll-up fashion after he just got his bad shoulder that they're working on the entire match? Yeah, that I did have a problem with that. And it was kind of hard to see Cody do so much to his shoulder. I mean, I know it's not that severe of an injury, but he does have a legit shoulder issue. So it just, you know, he's doing super flexes and stuff like that. But I really like this match. I didn't agree with Cody going over, especially if it's going to be this early in the feud. I mean, last week you had the big angle to start off this feud, and now it's you're already having Cody going over in a relatively clean fashion. So, I mean, I, I really like this match uh, to kick it off, but I like the fact that Cody started the match with his shirt on because he was so pissed off at Penta. That's some of that old-school stuff where there's nuanced storytelling in this match, which really should have been a brawl, and that's what it was. Yeah, and there was a brawl after the match. You know, Penta immediately goes after Cody and is attacking him. So, I mean, I kind of agree. I was expecting Penta to somehow get a dirty victory here, so that threw me for a loop. But at least they let post-match shenanigans happen to let us know that this is not over with. Uh, you know, we're going to get more follow-up. And, of course, um, uh, Dustin Rhodes and Arn Anderson uh, and many of them come out to uh, come to Cody's aid. And then eventually QT Marshall comes out uh, very late, as I keep noting. So they're mm-hmm. continuing to push and sell the uh, QT Marshall strain away from the, from, from the babyface group there. I really like what they're doing with QT Marshall. I like how they're taking their time with this. And he's doing a great job playing it up. He is. And, you know, he, you know, he works as a producer backstage. They, you know, they've also, they're getting a lot of talent uh, from him that he's trained and had some connection with. You know, so this is a nice way to, again, keep his name out there and to use him. He's, he's never going to be your main event guy. But the fact that something as simple as, you know, where's your alliance at? Why are you starting to act heelish? And, and just, just to show Cody's got just even more things to deal with. It's something small, but it's a good use of them. Uh, unfortunately, too often I think WWE misses the mark on on being able to just take, you know, extras 
for lack of a better term, and still find a, a, a use for them past them playing security guard jobbers getting beat up. Right. So right. Right. <laughs> Uh, backstage, Alex Marvez uh, talking about uh, how uh, Pack and Ray Phoenix they still have to uh, attack t- title shot up against the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks, uh, the, the Bucks ended up being interrupted by Callis. Uh, they have a bunch of words uh, and just kind of continuing here again. Callis saying, you know what, you know the Bucks, you guys used to dominate in Japan, and this and that, and where, where where have you gone? You, you what, what's you, you've let everybody else around here uh, run things, and uh, so just again furthering the problem. The Bucks don't like Callis. They are blaming Callis for the, being the wedge, Alfred, in, in their. You know, once great friendship with everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Callis is doing a great job in his role, and I just like how the announcers always play him up as just this human scumbag. And what is it? They always go pawn scum, and so he's just doing. That's exactly what his character is, just stirring stuff up behind the scenes. So you know, I really didn't have a problem with this, and I like what they went on to do later on in the night with these guys. Yeah, and they did set up perfectly for what's coming here soon. Up next, they are advertising Jade Cargo in singles action. She's up against uh, Danny Jordan. Uh, this very much like, as I just said, jobber. This very much like old school WWE. Uh, no, no entrance for the jobber. We're, this is all about uh, focusing on Jade, her featured moves, and making her look uh, like a star, which, man, Alfred, she does. Obviously, you know, yeah. n- this wasn't hard to predict. Comes out a few power moves, German suplex, uh, gets the pinfall. Uh, but, I mean, she just – and they even note that that was her first professional wrestling match ever, the, the tag match with Shaq, but she looks – far more seasoned and they're obviously protecting her star all over. I haven't really seen anybody on social media, which is hard to say. And I haven't really seen much uh, negative about her. Right. I mean, from wrestling wise to even how she looks like she belongs there. Like, I mean, seasoning is the perfect word, especially if you consider how new she is to wrestling. I mean, this is when you have a big star like this, you're not supposed to overthink it. And there's a lot of overthinking when it comes to somebody with so much potential um, because, you know, sometimes people want credit for the success or whatnot. But Jade Cargill is just somebody they're putting out and doing everything right with. They're not overthinking her. They're not uh, making her wrestle past her abilities. Those are eventually, I think, inevitably come. You can tell this is somebody who has got a very quick uh, adaptivity, uh, you know, adaptability to learning this wrestling style. So I just think she's incredible. And I couldn't take my eyes off for this entire match for a number of reasons. No, she's uh, naturally athletic, gifted. They even noted her um, her collegiate background. You know, she she's obviously in phenomenal shape. Uh, she has a certain charisma. We've heard the promos. We've seen that. And those are all the things that you, that you really can't – that are uh, you either can't teach or is hard to teach. Right. They, with the right people around her, they can teach her psychology and they can teach her, you know, better form and add to her skill set. I mean, but, it you know, she doesn't have – I don't think, at least. She doesn't have any amateur wrestling background. But – I've heard this before, and I don't think it's that far of a stretch. This has that feeling, that natural, organic, you said, adaptability feeling that Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar both had. Where they come yeah. in, they're immediate eye catchers for the athleticism and just and are immediately put in high positions quickly. I mean, I, I tweeted this earlier. I can see if the, if the stars align and you know everybody stays healthy and what have you, down the line, AEW could have a, a draw of a match. Uh, money draw the match between a Jade Cargill and a Britt Baker. Oh yeah, and, oh, and you can make an and you can make an argument now for for I, that you can make an argument. Okay, Jade's got the bigger size, so she should be the heel, and Britt's got the you know the girl next door. She's also a dentist, maybe the baby face. But I can also as good of a heel as Britt is, which we'll get to. Uh, I can see Britt playing that just that little just nasty little bitchy heel, and Jade yeah. having that just natural char- charismatic. You just grow to love her. That you could do anything with this feud. I mean, that would be just as exciting as if you build Jade Cargill as this monster, which you don't have to try too hard to do that. And then Britt Baker is a sniveling, like, cowardly heel who just, you want to see the monster kill this coward? I mean, they could build that to a fever pitch. 
pitch or, you know, they could do it the other way around to where Britt Baker's babyface. But I'd actually be more interested in seeing it as Jay Cargill in the babyface role because I think they both would uh, play those roles so cr- incredibly. And, and honestly, if it was me, that's the way I would go. I would have, yeah. I would have Britt as just that annoying, entitled, uh, bitchy heel. Um, and, and, then, and then Jade, who, you know, has got that almost Dwayne Johnson-esque. Right. She's just so... You just you you can't root against her. Yeah, you, know, you just you just want to be on her team. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. That's and I'm we're fantasy booking. You know, maybe a year down the road here. But that's what I, that's all I could think about uh, after coming out of this episode, based on how good Jade looks. And again, teasing uh, how good the main event came off. It's like not you know AEW's all of a sudden their their women's pieces are starting to fall <laughs> into place. <laughs> see now I want to see that match now. Speaking of women, let's let's quick time out. I know somebody was teasing earlier. We, we <laughs> said last week, our one, one of our wonderful sponsors of this podcast, Manscaped. You know, Alfred and I were telling you about the great products. I can't reach them. They're over there. The great products Manscaped has. Check them out. Uh, but, you know, you were saying you, you had a – this past weekend, you you, were, you had a, a date. I mean, how, how'd it go? Uh, uh, without getting us into any type of trouble, <laughs> I received rave reviews for my manscaping. I, I honestly did. We, we marveled at one point like it was a Garden of Eden. I got, women pay attention to stuff like this, and I received multiple compliments for both performance and aesthetic, particularly the aesthetic of Manscaped. So uh, you guys don't believe me. Here is the Manscaped uh, toolkit that I use, completely clean. They've got all kinds of different great tools that you can use. I really want to thank uh, Manscaped because things are starting to open up. There's a lot more positivity in 2021, and uh, Manscaped is, is – blaming them for uh, this world opening up into a more positive notion for Alfred Kennewa. So thank you to our great sponsors at Manscaped. Alfred, big, nasty Kennewa. I love it. I love it. Really earning that nickname. Uh, I love it. All right, back to the scheduled program. I had to get that in there. Um, all right, so uh, one of the things one of the things that really I think a lot of people wanted to tune into and see is obviously the the – the follow-up to how we ended Dynamite last week, and that is, of course, this new stable with MJF, with Sean Spears, with Tully Blanchard, with FTR, and, of course, MJF's insurance policy in Wardlow. So uh, we see the footage last week of what they did, and then we get them out to the ring. And uh, Tully, you know, he, he recaps basically the, the attack last week and then um, says this is the greatest group of guys, and he plans on finishing his, his career out with this great group. And then MJF gets on the mic, calls himself Judas, and then pr- proceeds to just – rip apart Chris Jericho says he, you know, he had to put on a smile for these last last six months, put up with Jericho's comedy bullshit. But the whole time he was plotting, uh, you know, he took shots at Jericho's hairline, took shot at, at Jericho's uh, body and physique, uh, just one thing after another and talking about how, you know, he is the best in the business at only 24. He's, he's already the most talked about. Uh, and finally the, I guess the most newsworthy point out of this is that the group is called the pinnacle Alfred. They are the pinnacle of uh, professional wrestling. So put aside your golf brand, put aside your vodka. This is the pinnacle. Yeah, listen, this was fine, and MJF is an incredible promo. I feel like this segment should have been cut into two different promos. I felt like it was a little ambitious of all that they were trying to get across between MJF's beef with Chris Jericho and then introducing this whole uh, stable one by one. And it just too much reminded me of that promo that Triple H cut in 2003, Introducing Evolution. It was done formulaically, like the same way with here's 270 pounds of stopping power. And he didn't say stopping power, but it was essentially the same style of promo. And it's just like I saw a more legendary version of this years ago. And MJF is better than doing a ripoff of anybody. He's his own original character. Uh, having said that, I thought his delivery was fine. I thought uh, Tully Blanchard, I thought, stole this segment. I thought he was so good just opening this up. But 
I mean, I would just like wrestling to put a moratorium from here on out on these groups with suits on who are trying to do a takeoff of the horsemen because this is like a ripoff of a ripoff of the horsemen. And I do think that this group is talented enough to pull off something that's a tad more creative. Well, first off, that's interesting. The went way back to 03. I didn't even I forgot about that. But now that you're saying that, I'm re, you're right. I don't and I don't know if they purposely did that. Probably not. It's probably right. just you you having a really good memory and being a good wrestling historian. Um, but I get what you mean. It was a formulaic, but that said, it, it did what you needed to do. I get the point too. The whole see, I've always been one who's like, why does a wrestler always have to be in a suit if he's not in his ring gear? Like, I mean, I don't want to be fighting in my nicest stuff, right. you know, like, or, or even risk potentially fighting. But I will say this: Evolution, it worked. Yes, it was like a, it was like a, a, a off the horseman. But hey, they had Ric Flair. They had a horseman. This has Tully, a horse. So, like, if you have a horseman, I feel like you get the pass. But yeah, everybody else, let's let's cool down on the suit game. Let's let's uh, you know, at least Taz and his. At least they wear like you know gym gear and stuff. They they yeah. at least, uh, you know try to mix it up. But I was happy too that the inner circle didn't come out. I thought that was great. The fact that we didn't see a peep out of them, we didn't hear a peep. No pre-tape, uh, no nothing. You know, even the I'll jump ahead real quick. The Pinnacle they said that they're going to take the dressing room now. Later, we see them take the inner circle dressing room. So I like the fact that like the inner circle's not there. They're selling the beat down of the brutality of the beat down. They're selling the brutality of the of the betrayal. I thought that was a really nice touch. I was really worried AEW might um, overbook us and, and give us way too much when that promo was more than all more than enough for this episode. Exactly. All right, big ten man action here. Matt Hardy, the Blade, the Butcher, and Private Party up against the Bunny, or and the, uh, with the Bunny, of course, up against Jurassic Express and Bear Country. Uh, the gimmick here, uh, you know, Big Money Matt, he's got uh, everybody else doing doing the grunt work, and he gets to come in, uh, hit his twist of fate, and uh, get the win. One, two, three. So uh, Matt Hardy and Money Matt, he's got his he's got his uh, cronies doing doing the dirty work for him. Is this what's your favorite Matt Hardy character? Oh, uh, well, that's a good question. I really loved version one, Matt Hardy. I think it's because I was just younger and more impressionable, and I just thought it was such a hilarious character. And really, I thought that they should have done more than they did with him. Um, so that might be my all-time favorite. But, you know, vintage Hardy boy, it's really hard to pick from because I like multiple versions of Matt Hardy characters a lot. Uh, and this big money Matt character is going right up there with it. I, I know I was kind of complaining that it's the Butcher and the Blade was kind of like a washout of another stable that they're being part of, but I think this will work just fine with Matt Hardy and and the way he pulls this character off. Yeah, I do agree. Um, the Butcher and the Blade is a little bit out of place. Yeah. And I, the Butcher, Blade, and the Bunny presentation, while at first I was lost on it when they first came to Dynamite, um, yeah, I wasn't sure. They've, I've actually bought into it. You know, I mean, you know, Blade's veteran. Great to see him getting national TV time. The Butcher, I knew nothing about him. All I knew is I heard, you know, the guy was in a rock band. I knew nothing about him, but I mean, I think he's came a long way and he's got such a great look. And then the Bunny's a great, accessory but it feels i think they could just be by themselves if anything i mean i know everybody's yeah i mean i know this is gang warfare everybody's gonna have somebody watching their back but there's three of them there i don't i don't them with the big money matt feels feels a little bit too contrived um that said i think big money matt is my favorite matt hardy character the the promos are always the richest pun intended i mean Uh, they are like whether he's ring of honor impact wherever he does it it's just the stuff he does you know the I'll never forget the first time I saw the picture of him laying in a bathtub full of money. You know, it's just like, yeah. so <laughs> and he had another really good promo before this match. It was an inset, but I thought, I mean, as much time as they gave MJF and the Pinnacle, I mean, he did a lot of business in just a short inset promo and captivating your attention, telling you why this group is together. I really liked it. For sure, for sure. Just a reminder, too, you guys can know we see the set chat room. You guys are having a lot of conversation. Very good. If you want to definitely get a chat guaranteed uh, into the conversation here, make sure you hit that super chat button. Raj Gary, thanks you. 
Um, okay, backstage, we get John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, a free tape from earlier in the, in the day. Uh, and it's a lot of jokes at first. They're just taking a lot of, you know, just quick shots of the Good Brothers. Um, you know, Mox saying I wasted money on Talking Shop and Mania. Uh, they're making fun of Gallo's look, uh, saying he looks like Forky, got googly eyes, making fun of uh, Anderson, going to the Chad Too Bad alter ego that he's done. Uh, but then they get serious and, and Kingston calling them cowards. Uh, quote some 50 Cent, quote some some Tupac. Um, you know, and ultimately, you know, saying Mox and Kingston are soldiers and then only die once versus um, Gallows and Anderson being cowards. And then they, they'll, they'll, what's the, they die a thousand deaths. Yeah. So. I mean, this was good. I mean, Moxley and Kingston have great uh, chemistry. This one could use a little bit of editing in terms of uh, all the places that this segment went, but I really loved seeing these two together. Um, If they don't have any immediate plans for Moxley in terms of singles moving on from here because he's toward the end of his feud with Kenny Omega as Omega goes to Christian, I would not mind seeing Moxley and Kingston as a tag team going from the tag titles because that tag title division has been built up as just as important as their heavyweight title division. So I don't think that'd be that much of a step down. And I'd be probably more entertained by that because him and Kingston are so good together. No, I agree. Uh, They've they've clearly made it clear AEW has their tag division is you know, they, and they really try to hold that with all the titles. I mean, they even they even every every presser they do, they don't ever or interview, they don't ever allow the TNT title to even ever be perceived as the mid card title. And they and they they really try to push it that that could be as big, if not bigger, than the world title. That they're all so you know, um, I, I I could buy into that. You're right. Uh, some super chats coming in here. Uh, Sean Wiley, five dollars. One Alfred, how was your date? Two Jade Cargill's finishing move should be that high kick. It was fierce. And Brian Cage will be a very good baby face. Uh, so Alfred, they, they want more on the day. Where did you guys go? Uh, it went well. It was a good day. You could have gone uh, earlier in the podcast. I did give a rundown. But uh, where we went, we went to a Santa Monica bar. It was a beautiful bar. I'm not going to give too much details. Uh, more Super Chats, the better, of course. But we went to a Santa Monica bar. We had a great time. We have very good chemistry together. We are going out again. And, uh, you know, uh, Manscaped is really helping me through this. So my date went very well, Sean Wiley. Thank you so much for the Super Chat. Uh, but it was great. I would give it an eight out of ten. Does she know that you're on wrestling podcasts and that you write about for wrestling? She does. She doesn't know which one though. Until she does some googling and exactly. she sends a super chat in a minute. <laughs> I'm trying to be as vague as possible here, but let's uh, <laughs> all keep this PG, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the internet. The internet will be. The internet will be creeping and, and creeping and stalking. Don't, you, don't, let, <laughs> don't let the internet. <laughs> uh, Jay Cargill's face. Yeah, I mean, sh- what, again, keeping the move list tight with Jay, but it's uh, but it's it's looking good. It's looking effective. And yeah, Brian Cage. We'll get to him in a second. Um, another big guy. We'll see what what where they go with it. But uh, I have some some more thoughts on that. We'll get to it. Uh, but thank you, Sean. And I think we had another chat coming through. If I got pinged here, uh, Dustin Eck, ten dollars. The crazy ass match with Rosa and Baker was the best unsanctioned match in a long ass time. The use of weapons, amount of blood. And it was done by two small females that nobody had expected to be hardcore. Uh, yeah, Dustin. You know, obviously, we'll get we'll go full depth into it. But um, you're right. I mean, the amount of blood I was not expecting that. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to really talk about their stature, but but Britain Thunder, Britain Britain Thunder Rosa certainly that was not what I expected to get out of them. Um, it's not like they are, you know, that I don't that was not what I expected. So you know, I, yeah, I agree. That was a crazy ass match. Absolutely love that match. Can't wait to talk about it later. And Anthony Y, dollar ninety nine. That women's match was brutal. What a main event! Yes. Yeah, so uh, again, if you if you if you didn't see it, you should you should <laughs> see your fellow wrestling community is is when they're positive about something. You know, 
Uh, Britt Baker getting color took me right out of the main event. Call me sexist, but I was worried about her well-being, not the show. It's from Corey Pride. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily. Well, I, I don't yeah, know what that is. I agree. If you're not into blood, um, which blood does make me scream, which I still love this match, but Britt Baker was bleeding a lot. So for anybody, just the amount that she was bleeding was pretty concerning. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You, you see a female. I mean, as a guy, you're obviously trained. A female being hurt is not a good thing, I, you know. So I mean, I guess depending on what you're used to, um, but. That was not my problem, Corey. I was, <laughs> I was here for the blood. I was, I was all for it. Um, you know, I also knew that this, this, you know, tonight's dynamite was taped, so I knew that, like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a certain kind of quality control. It's like, you know, you know, nobody's, nobody's gonna be dying here. Like, we, we. You know, that is a good point. If this was live, then it might be a freakout moment. Like, oh my gosh, are the doctors in the right place or whatnot? But you know that yeah. they took care of that. Yeah, I mean, it's taped. Tony Khan's typing it up. The whole company was hyping it up, so it's like, all right, everybody's okay out of this. Everything, everything is within control. All right, moving on. Another backstage interview. We got um, Christian Cage, so he's kind of uh, talking, and basically, we'll take out of this. He talks about, you know, if anybody's forgot over the last seven years, you know, he's gonna remind them quickly. Uh, he even makes a note, I believe, that he he wants to get <clears throat> some wins. He said Omega's on borrowed time. He's gonna get down, he's gonna get to him down the road, but he wants to pick up some wins first in AEW. Uh, and he says he's uh, in, AEW, in AEW to cement his legacy and put to action three simple words, outwork everyone. Yeah, I thought this was good. I mean, I like that he made mention of the fact that he was scooped by Kenny Omega. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but this is exactly what you needed from Christian in his debut. I thought it was kind of weird. He said, like, I'm not here to take anybody's spot. I just want to be world champion. And it's like, well, that's a spot that everybody yeah. wants, Christian. Yeah, I thought what he said was good. I th again, I thought it was really good that he addressed what I, what – was a, a top criticism uh, and Ian brought up on this show last week was, was, you know, a company that folk that, that highlights records on their entrance of a win loss record. And this guy's going to come in and just get a world title shot. Mm -hmm. uh, so I liked what he said. I thought that was great, but um, I don't know. It did feel a little, a little low energy. I don't know. I could have wanted a little bit more, I guess, Christian. Yeah. And then his robot was done backstage. Like this. I mean, Christian's a big star. They hyped him up in this AEW universe is a big star hall of fame worthy. Um, I would have liked to see this done before a full crowd. I mean, maybe there are things outside of their control that is the reason we saw this, but it did seem pretty low rent to see him just show up in a backstage segment like this one. This was one of the most hyped things that was going to be on this week's show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, there definitely at least is, I know there's an interest, at least for me to wait and see when he does have his first like singles match and see, um, see, obviously he's going to get some wins and, and how long they go that route until he finally does uh, confront the champion, Omega or whomever. Okay, uh, Moxie and Kingston versus the Good Brothers. Kingston's out first. Of course, he's going to Kingston and Moxie would be coming out separately because Moxie always comes from some part of the venue, the arena. Kingston comes out, but he gets jumped immediately by the Good Brothers uh, from behind, so they get a few seconds of shots in on him before Moxley uh, comes running through the venue and, and attacks, and this is you know, it kind of starts very crazy, real chaotic match, uh, or, or real chaotic brawl before the match can even technically start. Then we get into the so uh, into a traditional you know tag match. Uh, back and forth we go, um, but finally after uh, what do we get here? Uh, finally after uh, Doc gets a cover on Moxley for two, Kingston and Doc uh, battle on the floor. Kingston gets sent into the barricade. Uh, Moxley, that's right. Moxley does get a quick uh, roll up inside cradle roll up. So uh, the second roll up of the night, uh, one two three. So again. Um, the way this started, I did not expect, again, this yeah. match to be a roll-up. 
Yeah, this stuck out like a sore thumb that it ended in a roll-up like that, just given how physical that this match was. In times, I thought that this match just really needed a weapon stipulation because it seemed like they were just building to that next step, but I thought all the guys worked really hard, and it, it was weird to see a, a roll-up in the finish of this situation. I would like to see a rematch with weapons and, and not that finish. Yeah, and uh, again, more shenanigans post-match. Good Brothers are beating up Moxley. Um, here comes Kenny Omega. He comes out with Don Callis. Omega has a chair. Uh, Omega's just kind of sitting and taunting in front of Moxley. Kingston managed to crawl in there and knocks uh, him off. But again, the numbers game is too great. They're just beating the hell out of Moxley and Kingston. Uh, and then finally, here comes uh, the Young Bucks, and they're out, and they're just disgusted at at, uh, at the Good Brothers for, for taking part of this, disgusted in Kenny for his association with Don. And uh, the Good Brothers and Kenny, they're all trying to give them the, the two sweet. They're like, come on, you're with us. And the Bucks refuse. The Bucks uh, leave the ring, and and the tensions build. And Amoxley even or uh, Omega even, um, you know, kind of bows up and is ready to, for a fight. So, kind of, Alfred. It seems like finally we are. It's it, it's official. The 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 Bucks are are want no part of this, uh, and and they are the, the 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 club. The Bullet Club is is of no more. The the association is no more no longer there. Yeah, and they're doing a good job building toward hopefully the physicality angle because I think whatever the first physical, like the first punch thrown, the first shot, like intentionally thrown, uh, that'll lead to maybe the Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers in some capacity. I think that'll be very interesting, but I really like what they did tonight. They've been in kind of a holding pattern with this feud. It seems like after this exploding barbed wire um, promotion, which, you know, the Young Bucks kind of took a backseat as uh, being a feuding with Kenny Omega or having any intentions, but now they're right back to like restarting that, and I like the direction that they're going with it. All right, so once again, folks, stop me if you've heard this. Tony Schiavone is going to be interviewing Sting <laughs> on the stage. <laughs> Finally. Finally. <laughs> we waited 20 years for it. Now we've gotten it 20 weeks in a row. <laughs> uh, actually, he doesn't interview Sting. He actually he inter- he introduces Sting. Uh, I don't think Sting actually even under- – I don't think Sting ever even grabbed a microphone. <laughs> he introduces Sting, and then he introduces Darby Allen. Darby comes out, uh, notes how he's been TNT champion since November – but he's only defended the title three times, which he hates. Uh, he said it's a joke. He said he wants to defend it every week. He said he wants to pay tribute to the best TNT champion there's ever been, uh, Brody Lee. Uh, he says so he's going to give an open challenge to a member of the Dark Order. So he makes that challenge just as he makes that. Follow along here. Lance Archer comes out again and interrupts him. He's got Jake with him. Uh, he he proceeds to just run down. <clears throat> uh, Darby calls him you know an indie riffic joke. Uh, says if he likes coffin so much, he'll put him in one. Uh, then he's kind of staring at Sting. Then Jake gets on the mic, runs down. Darby uh, tells Darby to get a hot dog bun because he's a weenie. Okay. <laughs> Stay with me. You're doing great. <laughs> I'm trying. And then here comes, here's another voice comes from the, and here comes Taz with his team Taz. And Taz begins to start to cut promo. And then Brian Cage takes the mic from him, says, no, I got something to say. And then Brian Cage proceeds to mark out for Sting and say how much he respects Sting and how Ricky Starks is wrong. And then they all, Team Taz is freaking out and Brian Cage storms also. It seems like Brian Cage is going rogue. He's not. Uh, heel team Taz anymore so uh, a lot to unpack here Alfred where do you want to start yeah I don't this is another segment that I felt should have been cut apart like a lot happened here and it just really got away from itself as you kind of inferred there I mean I kind of am intrigued on why Brian Cage put over Sting like that and then defied his allies like that so that is kind of an interesting part but I mean so many things happened there was that challenge early it, this is kind of started off as a mess because Brody or Darby Allen said uh 
I would, I've only defended this title three times since I won it. And everybody cheers. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's a bad thing, everybody. Boo me for that. So this is a very weird, bizarre segment. Yeah, I don't think Sting said a single word amid all this chaos. I don't think he did. But everybody addressed him. He just didn't say a word. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know where to – I mean, all right, so Darby's – and so we'd find out Darby's going to have a match next week with Dark Order, so there's that. Um, so Lance, he continues – this is the second time he's done the interruption. He's really mad that he's not getting the TV time he wants. He's coming out of the face tunnel, though, which is odd, because uh, it feels like he's going back to being a heel, right. which is fine with me. Uh, it, I mean, it kind of feels like we're building to, like – so I, I'm guessing it feels like Archer, Archer and Jake are, like, they got some animosity towards Sting. And now it's funny. Another big man in Brian Cage has just claimed his – respect and admiration for sting so i kind of feel like we're, we're working towards eventually an archer cage you know def, you know cage defending sting's honor type of match yeah we could uh, possibly see it i mean i don't know why they wouldn't if archer is just going to keep calling out sting i mean sting is a centerpiece of all this so i don't know why at some point we wouldn't get uh, sting versus lance archer but i definitely see something happen either with cage and archer or this whole thing might be a swerve in that they're trying to lure Sting in, and maybe if we do see a tag team pairing of Sting and Cage, Cage does the old Sid Justice jump off the apron, uh, setting up Cage and Sting. Perhaps. I wonder. If, I mean, I know Jake's healthier these days. I mean, can I mean can Jake and Archer do a Sting versus Cage match? I mean, I would want to see it. Like, I love that Jake the Snake can still throw that short arm clothesline, and people pop for it, but. I mean, judging by that alone, I, I don't know if, you know, Jake would have to really be protected in, in, in a ring, you know? Again, cinematic. Snakes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there you go. Crows. <laughs> Sting. I mean, let's, let's, let's get it. Oh, that would be fun. Let's get it. Um, another super chat here. Chris P. nine. Too many faction breakups, though. Well, that's the – and that's the risk you run that AEW is going, like – Everybody's a, nobody's a loner. Even John Moxley was kind of like the even Moxley. He's got Kingston now. Nobody's a loner. Everybody's everybody has like a gang affiliation. Which, on the one hand, is like all right. I mean, that's realistic. It's not like, I mean, you know, everybody in the locker room in theory is going to have their association. They're going to have their alliances. You know, so that makes sense. But you do run the risk of you. You almost need a scorecard sometimes to keep track of who is on whose team who who just dropped it and, got, and moved over i mean you definitely have to if you if you miss a week or two uh you know you can miss a week or two at wwe and you can turn it on you can kind of fill the pieces in of what you missed right. aew to their credit or to their confusion you cannot do that yeah you very appropriately compared it to jail last week which is is exactly what it is when they're kind of pairing together and i have no problem with aew actually having all these stables because it is a good style of booking it's a good reason to book these tag team matches i think eventually we're going to get six man titles out of it uh the problem i have is the fact that a lot of these stables now need a cause for explanation like but nightmare stable you know the nightmare family just coding stable they've never really come out and cut that formal promo so why we're together and i think it's fine it's kind of like an mma thing where it's almost like a training camp so yeah. if they're presented more like that, it would be more realistic. I have no problem with that. But in this show alone, you saw MJF give that long pinnacle program pin, uh, promo immediately followed by Matt Hardy giving his promo about his empire. So now it starts to point out, like, why are these guys always together? Which I don't think should be a central focus in that they have all these stables. Yeah. Uh, taking a look at the chat room. Uh, yes, questions about where Matt Morgan is. I believe Matt is on uh, some vacation. So uh, getting some well-deserved uh, rest and time with the family. So he does not need to be staying up late with us. Uh, well, stand up late with me. It's Alfred's on the West Coast. He's still got daylight. Oh, yeah. He got daylight right now. <laughs> I'm looking out at the stars here. I uh, also want to give a shout. It's not a super chat, but I just I saw it and I want to shout out. Uh, listening all the way from Scotland. So nice. I, 
I don't know what say. I don't know what time it is in Scotland. I think it's morning in Scotland at this point. Ah, uh, early, awesome. early, early, early. Thank um, you. Yeah, awesome. Okay, get a Scorpio Sky video package. Basically, Scorpio Sky saying no more of this whole nice guy to finish last. I thought I could be the exception, be the nice guy that finishes first, and uh, that's not going to be me anymore. If I got to hurt somebody to get what I want, so be it. Yeah, I like this. He, he fits right in. He's such a likable guy, and he's so great as a baby face. But, uh, you know, perso- personality alone, I think he's going to make a good heel. Absolutely. Uh, and Helico versus Ray Phoenix. Uh, this is a uh, multi-segment match. Uh, and, I mean, fun fun match uh, for what these two guys can do. Uh, Phoenix, ultimately, though, uh, does get uh, 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 knee to the head, sit down, pile driver, uh, one, two, three. So he gets the victory. Uh, so Ray Phoenix continues to be the... Uh, the, the, the phoenix continues to rise yeah this is great and jellico and helico was very good in featuring ray phoenix i like these two together i'd like to see a longer match with these two but they got enough time to show what they both can do and ray phoenix continues to look awesome uh what do we got here uh i don't think our same person from scotland uh, j4cks97 uh saw sat with you at raw in new york awesome show is it me oh, all right wow look at that all right well <laughs> Hopefully it, was, hopefully it was a good time. Cheers. It sounds like Raw 25, maybe? Maybe. I mean, that's the... Yeah, I mean, I was at the... the I was in the Manhattan Center for that, so I yeah. guess... Uh, all right, well, cool. I mean, had a few had a few soda pops. So I don't remember everybody. <laughs> that, but... Don't remember speaking Scottish to anybody? No, I don't remember speaking Scottish. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, we get Alex... Mar- we see Miro in the gym, the well-lit gym. Red, red light and everything, and Alex Marvis comes in, interrupts him. So sorry to interrupt you, uh, but says that uh, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy, they, they, they want a rematch. And Mira said he's not interested, he's moved on. Kip Sabian comes in and says, no, they ruined my wedding, yeah, they, they hurt my wife. Um, and then Mira proceeds to say, look, I don't care. Take it from me. When your wife's at ringside, nothing good can happen. <laughs> wow! Uh, <laughs> uh, Mira proceeds to tell him, I don't care about your family, I don't care about the opponent, like nothing. All I care about is just, just winning. Um, and so, uh, so Marvez gets clarification and, and Kip says, yes, we do accept the match. So, uh, that match, I don't think it's next week. I'm looking at the run here. They didn't advertise it for next week. They, for next week, they advertised Omega versus Matt Seidel, non-title match, uh, Nyla Rose up against Ty Conti, FTR and Sean Spears against the Varsity Blonde and Dante Martin. Darby Allen's up the challenge to the Dark Order is going to be answered by John Silver. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. So I don't know when the the revenge match is happening. But, uh, yeah, slowly moving Miro away from Kip Sabian, which I agree with. I like that they're making the character more serious. Yes, um, a few months too late, but yes. Yeah, let's do it. I guess it's, I guess it's never too late. I'll say that. Okay, so here's what everybody wants to talk about. So let's get into it. <clears throat> main event, first ever time the women have main evented AEW Dynamite. This is an unsanctioned lights out, anything goes match. It doesn't affect either lady's official record in AEW. Uh, it's being done in AEW ring, AEW referee, but anything goes. False count anywhere. There is no DQs, no countouts. All kinds of good stuff. Uh, we got good stuff. No comment, but four ninety nine from Nick. So, Nick, if you're just sending money, we thank you. Thank you, Nick. Um, all right. So, this match, this immediately, Alfred, uh, I mean, they both girl, both ladies are in the ring, but just as, as soon as they can have the stare down, uh, Rebel with the crutch nails Thunder Rosa from behind. Thunder Rose immediately then chases her down to the uh, to the to the ramp, and then Britt dives out there. And then from this point on, like they they immediately went from zero to seventy. And I was like, okay, there's gonna be a slow back down. We're gonna we're gonna do like no, they got to seventy, 
and they remained at 70 and then eventually they kicked into high gear and got to 100. Um, and they fought everywhere. Sean Wiley, $10. Justin, you got the face of the good heel manager. <laughs> Thank you. Cage versus Miro, good potential. Hall's feud. Thunder Rosa, top five female wrestler in the world. Finishing move, top 10 in the world, too. She's underrated. Yeah, yeah I mean, Thunder Rosa, I mean, bo both ladies, just fighting everywhere. I mean, they're outside. Chairs, tables, crutches, into the barricades. The first really time that I audibly, like, gasped, Alfred, is Thunder Rosa is um, selling, and she's bent over on the diamond-plated steel steps. And Britt just comes over and, uh, and, 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 and eats her heart out, Seth Rollins. Just curb stomps. Yeah. Thunder Rosa, it looks good. And the next thing we see, Thunder Rosa, she's got some color. So now we got some blood. I wish I didn't. Were you expecting blood? No, it's not at all. I thought it was part of her face paint until they zoomed in on it. And I was like, wait a minute, she doesn't wear a red part of face paint. And then she's just bleeding all over the place. So then, uh, continue to fight. We're throwing chairs in the ring. I mean, we get in. Uh, they go to commercial at one point. They're still fighting. We come back right from commercial. They do the big suplex from the top rope, both onto the big pile of chairs, which hurts both ladies, as you can imagine. <clears throat> a ladder comes into play. Thunder Rosa's got the, she's on the offensive now. Britt is sitting on her ass in the corner. Ladder gets wedged right here, wedged right, right on top of the bottom turnbuckle and bottom rope. Thunder Rosa comes in. Ladder nails Britt. Britt is now gushing from her head. I mean, she is bleeding and it's the crimson mask. Uh, and it just continues to go and go. And I'm leaving, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to every single spot. Again, go, go watch it for yourself. But this, Thing, never slowed up. They eventually get to, I mean, uh, Rebel goes through a table <clears throat> that, that was set up on the outside early on. Uh, and then finally they build to the end, uh, which we have Rosa, we have thumbtacks in the ring and Baker gets uh, a, a backdrop onto them. And then eventually we see Thunder Rosa hitting the Thunder Driver from the apron through a table onto the floor. And that's what gets her the victory. Um, uh, Alfred, what do you, I mean, go ahead. Everything. I mean, for a company that's under fire for not delivering on big promises, I mean, they really hyped this matchup and it lived past those expectations. I thought this was incredible. And the thumbtacks, like JR said that old human pincushion line, and that seemed like an understatement. If you saw Britt Baker's back when she first landed in that patch of thumbtacks, I love what they did where um, Thunder Rosa used the thumbtacks as a counter to get out of uh, Britt Baker's finishing submission. Yeah. That was really, really clever. I just love this match. Uh, even Rebel, Rebel worked so hard in not only giving the weapons to Britt Baker and making sure the weapons were in the ring, but she took a table bump. Uh, this is just reminding me like an Attitude Era, like WrestleMania-type match where they're just throwing out all the stops. I really love this. Yeah, and uh, guys, I see a line of Super Chats. I'll get to all of them here in, in a second. Um yeah, this look. I'm going to go out and say it, and I'm not even. Just, I mean, the, the women made history again, having the first time ha having the main event for Dynamite. But I'm not even going to just classify it and say women's match. This was one of the most entertaining matches and violent matches AEW has had. Period in their two year history. And yes, I folks, I do remember there was a like, exploding <laughs> barbed wire death match two weeks ago. I, I do recall, uh, and I still stand by the statement here. For again, for yeah, for a company who the biggest critique they've had has been inconsistency, you know, with the with the women's division and you know who's being booked where and and and, and, and you know are is is this is this talent character connecting? Um, this could just, this just this immediately just I mean this I can't even WWE I can't think of a women's match that was quite like this in any recent time. I mean, just the, again the level of physicality, the violence. 
but it made sense. Everything, you know, Britt's got Rebel out there, so this should be two and one the whole time, and it was. Um, I don't know. This was this blew me away. Um, I've never had never seen Britt get this kind of color ever in her life. Uh, I can remember watching her very first match here in White Oak, Pennsylvania, being there, and to see her go from that to what she had. I, I think this, I think this was a great this is a great showing. Thunder Rosa. I don't know what the situation is with her. I don't know. <clears throat> I got no scoop of of if if. Of, if she's an AEW for the long term to stay or what the situation is with NWA, but um, I knew this had to be good because again, tape match, they're hyping it. You know, I, I knew it had to be good. Did not expect this. Yeah. Um, so again, hats off. If you, if you did not see it, go watch it. Go yeah, watch I did it. see it. And I'm going to go watch it again after this. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't just rely on seeing a few clips or, or, or gifts on, on social media. Take the time. It's, it's, it's about a 20 minute match uh, with the commercial in, in, in between there. But like I said, there is no start at ten. Let's slowly build this. This just this was this was a a drag race. Yeah. Um, all right, let me go into some of these comments here. A lot of comments. A lot of people wanted to uh, chime in on um, over what, what we got going here. Jax Callens, our friend, four ninety nine, missed both shows. Going to watch the main event on AEW DVR after. But happy St. Patty's Day, you crazy kids. Yeah, Jax, go check it out for sure. Uh, up next, we got Nick four ninety nine. Nick D messed that up. You guys are go- you guys going to WrestleMania or waiting until Dallas? Uh, as of now, Nick, I probably am not going to be uh, uh, down in, in, in Florida for Mania. Alfred, are you? Uh, no, sir. Uh, probably Dallas. Definitely when they're in Inglewood, I'll be here. Yeah, I'll, de- I'll definitely probably be in Dallas. It's going to be weird. It's going to be two years in a row not being at Mania after being at 10 prior to that in a row. This is, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll be watching from the, uh, from the man cave. Um, the Almighty One, 499. Is this an AEW send-off for Rosa? For a while, since the NW pay-per-view is this weekend, uh, if so, how do we get Britt back in the women's championship scene? I, again, great question for Thunder Rosa. I mean, normally, traditionally, you kind of think if, if she's getting ready to leave, you do the job on your way out type of thing. Um, yeah, I'd be very surprised if this was a send-off. I mean, I mean, this was a perfect place to beat her in that she would have lost and, you know, Britt Baker would have had the heat for somebody who's going out of the territory. But if the plan is for her to leave, I don't know why she would win an epic match like this. Yeah, and, and look, how do you get Britt back in AEW? I mean, interesting, too, to note. They, one time, cut away to Jade Cargill watching from the, the stands, watching from the bleachers. So uh, when I saw that, and I, and I had already tweeted what I said earlier about an hour, hour prior about a Jade-Britt match down the line, I mean, Britt's a heel. Uh, she, she likes being a heel. She's good at being a heel. It's working. So don't I don't see any need to, to fix what's not broken. Broken. Um, I mean, I, I, even having lost that, I still think, and I don't even know what her record is off the top, top of my head, but she could still easily be in line to challenge for the women's world title. Um, yeah. Uh, now, if, if you know, I don't, you know, there, I don't think there's any credibility issue there at this point. Um, Kayla said, "I wanted there to be teeth instead of tax." <laughs> touch. Oh man. And Nick says, "When Britt Baker bleeds, her facials are perfect." Yeah. She yeah. She did a great job. She did that evil smile while she was covered in blood. That was really – she's done that before. That's great. Yeah, when they – back in the um, – right when the pandemic started and they had to do those, like, two weeks – two months worth of tapings at the, like – I think I think it was in the, the, the wrestling school in Georgia. Yeah. And it was, like, it was like the real – and that, that was the one, I think, where she famously had her no, – it was the, I think the nose was busted or whatever. The nose was broken, yeah. Yeah, and the, and the blood. And she – yeah, she, she knows how to McFoley. She just gets to that camera and just, like, look at it, look at it. <laughs> so Thunder Rosa gets a win. Yeah, I got kind of surprised by that. Again, just again, not expect blood, did not expect that level of violence. You know, they said lights out in a non-sanctioned match. I expected a table spot or a chair or, you know, yeah, again, moving around Daly's place. Um, 
but I, I did not expect that. I just yeah, thought I me neither. So, I think that made it better, by the way, is that once they started bleeding, it's like, oh my God, they're serious now. Absolutely. Uh, and, 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 and I'm glad. I'm glad that nothing got spoiled and, and, and leaked about the match. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I, even, I'm glad that it wasn't even leaked to like, you got to watch this. It's going to be this violent, crazy match. I'm just glad that it was, this is a good match. You're going to need to just check it out. Like, exactly. They kept it there. So, all right. So that was AEW Dynamite. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of business accomplished and being done there. Uh, but um, again, they keep on rolling and plenty to, to tune in next week and see uh, where they go. Uh, Alfred, do you want to jump over to NXT? Yeah, we get NXT. We uh, open up with Finn Balor in the ring, cutting a promo on Karrion Cross, saying, I've been waiting for you. Your time is up. Uh, you know, they're going to find out who the real champion is. And then uh, Karrion Cross comes out. He says he's going to be the real champion, and they need to know who's real champion is. So they kind of uh, take back and forth barbs at one another. Karrion Cross saying he's going to choke out Finn Balor. Finn Balor saying Karrion's going to choke. And then here comes Scarlett. She interrupts and saying everything happens for a reason. So she has this prophecy uh, that brings out uh, Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan, who are talking up Pete Dunne. He'll be back to beat both of you guys. And Scarlett then seduces both these men into putting their tag titles on the line for later tonight. And that is confirmed. So later tonight in the main event, we're going to get Karrion Cross and Finn Balor challenging the NXT tag team titles. What do you think about this opening segment? I mean, I was intrigued. Didn't see that coming of, of having these of having Cross and <clears throat> Finn in a tag uh, match. I didn't think when I woke up this morning, I'd be seeing that. Um, I like the use of Scarlett. You know, I've always loved her, her as an accessory since we've seen Karrion Cross debut. You know, a little, you know, a year ago or so. I've always liked the accessory she's had to the entrance. I like tonight her speaking, as you mentioned, the seduction. Uh, she would get involved later in a physical manner um, in the match. So I thought this was a great use of her. Um, I definitely had my interest of, of like, okay, I don't see. And we'll get more to this when we get to man man up. But I was like, all right. I don't see Cross and Finn doing the, the buddy cop. Oh, we're tag champions as we build to our match with each other. So I was really curious to see like how they would get out of that match, uh, which we'll get to. Uh, but overall, opening segment was was interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, and the way they did get out, I don't know if I was too excited about it. This is a little repetitive, especially if we just saw Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks essentially doing the same angle where these uh, two challengers for world title are going to be tag team partners. So uh, it's kind of definitely going to its old tricks. And I wonder if they did this only because of all that they had to switch around uh, because of the pandemic outbreak or whatnot. I wonder if this was the plan, but I really love the intensity of this opening segment in that it did make me more excited for this uh, main event between Finn Balor and Karrion Cross. These are just, they've protected this match uh, and Finn Balor said exactly what he needed to say. And I like the back and forth that I'm the man. No, I'm the man. So they did a really good job of, of this uh, in this yeah. promo. Yeah. And that's a great point too. I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking of that as uh, you know, for those who missed the report that there, you know, there's, there is a report that there's, some quarantine and precautions going on with people involved in NXT uh, due to COVID. So yeah, who knows if this was, you know, a last minute audible, but nonetheless, I, I was intrigued. Yeah. So then we get Austin Theory versus Dexter Loomis. Um, another aspect, they had uh, the Garganos appearing via iPad. So Johnny Gargano saying that you're going to do this yourself. It's the last step of therapy. Um, Austin Theory and Dexter Lewis really worked hard. It's like a back and forth match. The story of this match was how good Austin Theory looked uh, on his own, and that Gargano's a genius. He's a benevolent dictator who said that he's going to go on his own, and now look at him. Uh, but then the finish comes when Loomis extends his hand. Austin Theory takes the bait, gives Loomis this big hug, says, I knew you didn't see all that stuff. And then Loomis tries the silence. It is countered into a fireman's carry, which is then again countered into the silence, and Dexter Loomis chokes out Austin Theory. This is starting to go off the rails for me. Yeah. Um, 
I like Dexter Loomis. I like him. You know, he's got this. He's got this. He's got a, got a great creepy vibe. Um, I, I, in the way, I wasn't really into Johnny and having this having a stable at first, but the way has grown on me. That like, so I like both, but this is starting to get a little bit too like I don't know. I, yeah. I, it's starting to lose me. It is. Uh, this is such a great opportunity to make Austin Theory into more of a credible guy because they have him playing this meathead character, which is fine when he's with Johnny Gargano. But I thought they had Austin Theory here alone. They were telling the right story with the guy and that look at all the potential he has on his own. And then they ended it with a lot of comedy and just a really foolish finish that made him look worse, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Nothing, nothing really that was done benefited anybody out of this. Yeah. So we get a backstage segment, and it's Tommaso Ciampa saying he's going to go looking for Alexander Wolf. His goal is to uh, take down Imperium one by one, so that nobody is left standing. Um, Ciampa so always looks—he always looks crazy. I love it. Yeah, he did. He looked wild in this segment. Uh, we got Adam Cole. So Adam Cole comes out. This is an interesting segment. Uh, he's just hot. He's really mad. Um, he says that Kyle O'Reilly wrote his death warrant. <clears throat> And he's not leaving it until he finishes Kyle O'Reilly once and all and for all. Uh, Regal comes out there saying O'Reilly isn't clear to be here, but then O'Reilly comes out on the screen and they just kind of exchange death threats in one way or another. I'm gonna end you. No, I'm gonna end you. They're basically exchanging these nearly criminal threats. Then Cole goes off to find O'Reilly. So we've got a situation on our hands. Uh, fired up. I like it. Um... You know, there's there's a lot of history here. Obviously, they're in a group for as long as they were, and, and the, the crazy breakup. Um, yeah, I mean, I again, I was kind of on the hook. You know, I was like, all right, well, this isn't this isn't the night's not done for these two, uh, and it wasn't, and so I yeah. was on the hook for this. Yeah, I, I was into this. I mean, you're having so many high profile matches across three companies, and this is one where they're really taking a chance. It looks like in trying to tell the story. So I was intrigued. Um, do we know? Do yeah, we know too? Do we know too? Um, uh, Bobby Fish is still injured, right? Because he's like the one missing guy out of this. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I believe he has a triceps injury, and that was just in November. I believe he injured it, so I think he's got a while before he's back. And we got a super chat here, Nick D. Uh, what can you tell me about uh, Suri? Um, I believe he's asking. That's the the Japanese female talent. I think that. That they yeah, signed, right? she's going to be now known as Sarai, and they did do a video package for her. I mean, we could just talk about it right now. It's yeah. uh, the former Sari uh, Fujimura, um, who, you know, really good in Japan, great Joshi wrestler, and so now she's going to come into NXT, and they've just changed her name. So clearly they've got plans for her, and so we'll see how they bring her in. They A lot of new acts in NXT uh, as of late. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know anything about her, Nick, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm learning as we go. Yeah, me too for the most part. Uh, backstage, we get Jessica Maya and Aaliyah. They uh, challenge Shotzi, Blackheart, and Ember Moon for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm a big fan of Shotzi and Ember, so hopefully I'm, I'm all for them, you know, long-term booking with them. Yeah, since it has a lot of promise as a team. Uh, Legado del Fantasma versus uh, Brizango. I absolutely love this match. This was just, you talk about uh, how Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa just kind of went from zero to 10 and kept it at that level. This was kind of similar in that once they hit their stride, they just kept going and everybody uh, knew where to be. It was like one-on-one and two-on-two sometimes. We saw double team moves. Uh, So this was a pretty good match. And uh, it ends where um, Legado del Fantasma picks up the victory, uh, which brings out um, Santos Escobar. So this is probably the reason that they won. Uh, He talks about, he's just uh, ringside and Jordan Devlin actually comes back and we saw a promo with him last week. He says that he is the real cruiserweight champion. He says the Irish ace is back. 
Santos Escobar says that he made history. He's the real champion. Uh, so then Devlin hits Escobar with a headbutt and then a suplex, which looked really cool. So it looks like we're setting up uh, Jordan Devlin versus Santos Escobar to find out the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight champion. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it mirrors it, it mirrors um, a lot of what is happening with Finn and Cross in the sense that Cross is the you know the champion who never got beat, you know, disappeared because of injury. Uh, Devlin just disappeared because of the pandemic. Uh, but, you know, if you got him back, I, 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 you can't not go this route immediately. So, um, you know, I think it's a good story. You know, certainly Escobar has been on fire yeah. in this past year. Again, Devlin being, you know, the claim is a real champion. So, uh, I, you know, I'm like it. I'm here for it. I'm glad to see Devlin's back. Um, I, I always like it. If you, if you have, whether it's because of injury or pandemic or, Whatever, I always like it when you have a claim. The two people claim they're the same champion. I always, you know, it's it's the Sean Razor thing. You know, I always love when you. It's time to who's the real champ. Yeah, and I like that they're doing that with the title that they've really protected. Like Santos Escobar has really elevated that title. Him saying that he's made history with that title doesn't just sound like an empty thing that somebody says. He's absolutely right, and there is a legit dispute as to who the real cruiserweight champion is. I like uh, Bernie in the chat room. I saw this, uh, and he's a, he's from DC, so special love there for me. Uh, he said Devlin Escobar definitely could steal the night night one if that's the spot they land. Maybe ladder match with both belts hanging. So yeah, I just said Razor Sean. Uh, yeah, I mean you got two nights of takeover. You know, obviously Cross and Finn has to end one of those. You presume that ends the second night, the you know the the final thing. So yeah, what what, what would end the first one? I'd I'd be in there for a cruiserweight ladder match. Right, right. <laughs> especially between those two. So we get Adam Cole once again threatening Kyle O'Reilly. This is where we also get the survive promo. Uh, then Zoe Stark versus Dakota Kai. Uh, they had a very good 50-50 match. Uh, they reenacted that Shawn Michaels, Shelton, Benjamin super kicked Stark on Stark, a shot on Stark, and then uh, Dakota Kai wins clean with the go to kick. So uh, after the match, out comes Io Shirai with a contract. She shoves it into Raquel Gonzalez's chest. Yeah, uh, very yeah, good call on the the HPK Shelton thing. Um, that's a big win for Dakota. I mean, cause Zoe's, they, they, they are pushing Zoe immediately to be one of the top babyface females they have. Um, so for her to get beat clean, you know, again, we know Kai is somebody they've, they've had plans with too. So this was a, this, I was, I was very much into this cause I was like, all right, I think Zoe's going to win this and she didn't, but yeah. wanted to see what was going to happen here. So, um, you know, NXT, it's a good, great problem to have. They have so many women that are talented and it's just like, they're all fighting. And I, you know, th this, this shows you and NXT does it really well. And, and, Raw and SmackDown are getting better at it, but NXT does it really well. Like, it used to be in the WWE world, even when they got past Brawn and Panty matches, that it was like the only female storyline and match could be just whoever's the one lady going after the one women's title. That was it. There was nothing more. There's so much depth now that w the women don't have to be competing for a title. They can, there's so many other things they can, you know, other conflicts and other uh, layers to the story. I love it. And yeah. it's just it's so, it's, it's so nice to see because they have all the tools in place. They have all the talents there. It's so nice to see them doing this. Yeah, I was very surprised that they beat Zoe Stark, not only because she's so new, but they are kind of telling the story between Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez that Raquel is starting to pass up Dakota, and Dakota might be holding her back. And Dakota losing this match might have been better in terms of storytelling purposes, because it looks like they're building toward a breakup between Dakota and Raquel. And I just didn't think this was necessary. Dakota is established, and I think Zoe Stark, they did that great package with her uh, last week. Um, but this was a very good match, and I really agree with the fact they have a lot of depth in this division. Yeah, all good points. So backstage, William Regal is taken somewhere, and we can just get to this now. William <laughs> Regal is taken to a police scene 
where there are cars and sirens going off. Cole and Riley are yelling at each other. They're really trying to recreate that cops aesthetic where these two guys are just fighting. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. That was it's so funny you said cops because like Cole screaming the F word and they're beeping it out. Yes. I mean, obviously a pre-tape. And yeah, you just all you you just see the the menacing of, of flashing lights from from the from the police cars. And the screaming and the and the beeping and yeah, I was like, this is like cops because I can't hear half of what's being said because it's being beeped out. Yeah. I just it, like yeah, you you hit the net. You and I were right there. That's exactly it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the exact reference I got. Uh, Cole was claiming that O'Reilly tried to run him off the road. So you know, <laughs> this didn't really make Regal look too good. I like them taking a chance with this, but I mean, between like I said, when I watched this segment, I was like, man, these guys really actually threatened to kill each other. Regal should at least in storyline, threaten to have security surrounding the building. But this is exactly how it was always going to end. So good thing nobody got seriously injured yet. But uh, this was very interesting. I don't know why. It's, it should not be funny to me. But there was a bit of delivery that made me laugh of like, Cole screaming, he tried to run me off the road. <laughs> that, that shouldn't be funny. But for some reason, yeah. it was. Yeah, they're really trying. It is right on that line of being too hokey or uh, maybe right as serious where it needs to be. So maybe if they reel it in a little bit. But I like what they're trying to do with this feud. Yeah. Oh, and well, and, 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 and so I guess we'll just tie this in too. So after another commercial break, one of the backstage interviewers gets to Regal and they're like, you know, what's going on. And he says, hopefully the cops drop these charges and that they need to be here next week. And I think I have a way, I think he said he teases he has a way to solve this. Yes. I don't know about you. My mind, the first thing my mind went to is we're going to have a match. It's a loser leaves NXT because these two can't coexist in NXT. Oh, wow. Yeah. Def- I, I, maybe it's because it was in the air. I was thinking an unsanctioned match. Like you just have them going, you know, I know they just had one on the competition, but loser leaves NXT would be very fitting. And I mean, who would you have lose in that scenario? Adam Cole is at time? Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we're coming up, you know, it's Mania season. You know, night after Mania unofficially starts the new, you know, WWE year. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I would have Adam lose. I, I, I just can't see, while Kyle O'Reilly has impressed me since the Undisputed Era has been split up, he's impressed me what he's done. I, I just, I'm sorry, Kyle, but I feel like if he goes to Raw or SmackDown, it won't be long before he's twenty four seven conga line. You know what I mean? I, I I just they might try for a few weeks. They might they might make us believe that they're put. You know they'll push him for a couple of weeks. They'll you know they'll give us like the ricochet thing where oh he's got an entrance and he's beating people. And then I just feel like it, somewhere something's going to lose interest. I I just but I feel like Adam Cole. You know he's, he's had a little spurts. You know especially he got the headline of SmackDown when the Saudi Arabia plane couldn't come back. You know we we've seen like him. Him work and shine on the Raw and SmackDown, even just for her, you know, little one-offs. I just feel like he's just such a star. He's got a better shot at getting at going to Raw or SmackDown and being, you know, be, being booked the right way and being a star for them, being a draw. I just don't see the chance. I don't see Kyle being given the chance. So yeah, I'd say Cole loses and he's he's on Raw or SmackDown in, in due time. And that would work out for both guys on the positive side for Cole or for um, O'Reilly in NXT. A win like that over Adam Cole, sending him packing, would be huge for the Kyle O'Reilly character, who is booked very well in NXT as a guy who's been in multiple world title matches. They can easily tell that story of him chasing a world title, kind of as his career accomplishment, and even winning and having a short world title reign in NXT. I think Kyle O'Reilly would be a much bigger star in NXT. And beating Adam Cole would accomplish multiple things. Cole going on to the main roster. And I think he's – maybe I'm uh, overestimating how good he's going to be, but I think he's going to be undeniable in terms of wherever he goes, however he's booked. He's going to find a way to 
rise above the ashes if they, if it goes that way. But I think he'd be great on the main roster, and I think O'Reilly would be great um, in NXT. So we get a grizzled young vets promo. They're backstage. Uh, they had a kind of funny line where they said that MSK was simping for Fandango, uh, but they're basically just calling these guys out. Uh, so they're going to give them a receipt for that hand injury. Um, we then get Tommaso Ciampa versus Marcel Bartel. This is a fine match. Um, they, it was basically Ciampa fighting off Bartel and Aikner, doing a good job of it because he ends up beating Bartel. And then we get the surprise return of Walter, which I thought, I mean, was very, I had no idea he was going to come back uh, this soon, uh, but he stands tall. Uh, Imperium lays out Ciampa, so uh, Walter, Aikner, and uh, Marcel Bartel all stand tall over Ciampa. What do you think about this? Yeah, great surprise. Good to see Walter back. Uh, he had such he had such momentum going uh, pre-pandemic. Um, he laid some chops that he laid in. Uh, vicious stuff here. Uh, this is good. You know, it seems like, um, you know, as you know, with vaccines and then slowly as the world is slowly trying to get better, you know, they've gotten Jordan Devlin back over here. They've gotten the, – the, it looks like they've gotten the, um, the Japanese female star that we just talked about a second ago. She's over – uh, now Walter's back from from OK over there in, in the UK, so this is good. They're getting getting the talents they want back. Um, Walter's a great Walter's a you know, he's a great pickup for the brand, and I know he you know he's doing good things for the NXT UK brand. But great to see him back in Florida and uh, uh, Walter and, and Champa. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, they really played up that Walter's been champion for what 712 days, I think. So I like that they're just building him up as this like an invincible monster. That's great. Yeah, uh, Kronoshaw, $2. Hope we get that Finn-Walter match down the road. That'd be good. Absolutely. So LA Knight's cutting this promo backstage, and it's fine. But the best part of this promo is you see Bronson Reed just kind of lurking, and they don't call any attention to it. He's just kind of walking back and, like, searing at LA Knight, and then he just goes about his way. So then we get the LA Knight debut. It's essentially a squash match against Austin Gray. But then some drama arrives where Bronson Reed takes LA Knight's jacket and he tries it on. Obviously, he tears it to shreds doing that. Um, and LA Knight almost loses, but then he gets wits about him. He beats uh, Austin Gray. But the story is LA Knight's beautiful blue dra- jacket hasn't been ruined, Justin Lamar. Look, as a man who, who wore leather jackets to the ring for many years, I, I mean, I, I get it. You know, the jackets are a sacred thing, especially when your name's LA Knight. I mean, your, your jackets <laughs> you know, inevitably cost thousands i mean so this i don't know we'll see i this i, I like you know I mean, it's good to see uh Eli, uh, la Knight. it's good to see him in nxt I, I've, I've been a brooklyn reed fan um not yet on the hook for this whatever this is yeah but, yeah i, I want to see more done in terms especially la Knight. they got to get him off and running I, I just feel like they keep doing the same thing with him in terms of him cutting these promos but it's good to see him sink his teeth into something because i think they're gonna have great matches together sure Sure. Yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. I. I need more. I won't. I won't. I won't bear it yet. I need more. Yeah. Um, backstage, we see Raquel Gonzalez going to sign the contract, saying that Io Shirai's days are numbered. But then Dakota Kai comes in. She said she booked herself and Raquel Gonzalez against Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. And there's kind of a feel that Raquel Gonzalez would rather not be doing this, but Dakota Kai says we need this. We've been losing a lot lately. So they're really again telling that story about how they're kind of struggling right now. Hmm. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Uh, Steve Marcacilli, 299. Who you book is technical wrestler versus Dunn? It's a good question. I mean, this is week two of now it's um, the tag team Birch and Oni Lorcan kind of building up. Oh, he's the best in the world, and you'll see. So they must have somebody 
pretty big in, in store for him, I, I think, I would think. You would think, and then like like we just said, we're starting to see some of the international guys get back into the States, and then that opens up even more. Like, is, who, is there somebody we've forgotten about that's been off the yeah. picture that's back in? Um, Could it be Tyler Bate? I mean, they had a just an all-time match. Uh, I believe it was in NXT Chicago. Uh, but, you know, maybe somebody from the UK scene. I, I could see that. <laughs> unless, unless it's like a troll job and it's going to be Pete Dunn versus Cameron Grimes. Oh, God. <laughs> see, I really wouldn't have a problem with that because I love Cameron Grimes. But uh, uh, the way they built it up. I agree. It's technical. <laughs> Pete Dunn versus – hey, Cameron Grimes is a great technical wrestler. That's not his character. But the guy can go. That would be funny, though. It would be. <laughs> Uh, we get a promo uh, by, from Zai Lee in Japanese, and it translates to resistance will not be tolerated, obstinance will be removed. So this is uh, in homage to Tian Sha. <clears throat> um, yes, and then we get the Regal, as you covered earlier, saying that next week we're going to get Kyle O'Reilly and Cole in the same place. Then we get the main event, uh, Finn Balor and Karrion Cross versus Bridgewell and Lorcan. Not going to lie, I spent most of this watching the women's match, but I did uh, pay attention to the big parts of this match. Uh, you know, they're kind of running wild on each other. But the finish comes where Finn Balor uh, hits a running drop kick on Oni Lorcan, who then hits Scarlet. And this pisses off Karrion Cross, who beats the hell out of Finn Balor, tosses him to the Wolves. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch win the match. Afterwards, uh, Karrion Cross goes in there and he beats up Finn Balor even more to the point where Scarlet has to kind of tell him to stop. And she repeats the line that she opened the show with, saying, um, everything happens for a reason. You can't escape let me just say real quickly, I, I loved Scarlet on the show, and I loved it. She won me over more toward the end when there's this thread that built to the end, and so they were telling the story. Like, I didn't understand why she was um, doing some of the supernatural stuff while Finn Balor and Karrion Cross were going back and forth. It didn't seem like the place for it, but I really liked it knowing that they were going somewhere with it. I loved how the show ended. Yeah. Uh, what I liked here, so like I said earlier in the show here, I was wondering, okay, how are they going to get out of this? Like, how how, how are they going to book this? Because, again, I didn't buy in that Finn and Cross are going to be buddy cops as partners, as tag champions. But Cross has never lost. He's never been pinned. So it's like, okay, well, he's never been pinned. That means that, like, Finn's got to get pinned, but Finn's your champion. So, like, so it was, I was really like, all right, what, uh, you know, but, like, we've NXT's got a good track record. Again, can't say the same thing on Raw and SmackDown's booking, but NXT, led by Triple H and Shawn Michaels, they have a good track record. They don't if they if they if they get themselves in a corner, they we think they're in a corner, but no, they're actually in open space. They know exactly what they're going to do, and that was the case here. You know, uh, Cross getting irate. You know, his 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 his, his, his Scarlet just got knocked down, so he just goes ballistic. You know, just attacking Finn. Finn's now late for dead. Finn gets pinned. Like I buy into it because like he just got you know Finn just got betrayed by his partner, so it worked. And then yeah, it's you know Scarlet saying what she said to Finn. As you said, it, it, it tied it all together. A good build uh, to this title match again that has to end. I, I think night two. I don't see how you do anything else. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't personally. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I think I think Cross is winning this. I mean, I, I know again. I know we're in the season of guys could go to Raw or SmackDown. So like, you know, is he Raw or SmackDown material? But I, I think NXT they they want to let him have the run as champion that they intended for before he got hurt when winning it the first time. So. Yeah, I could see Cross winning this. I mean, I know they're telling the story where it's mano a mano, but I could see Cross taking most of this match and winning it in a relative squash. Um, but I would love to see them both work their asses off and beat the hell out of each other. Absolutely. I just want to see Cross do that entrance in front of fans. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jackson Callens, uh, 499. I left the podcast, had to watch AEW main event. Holy, my wife doesn't scare me anymore after that. Phenomenal job by them, ladies. <laughs> Made a statement. Uh, yeah, it's a good, 
Good choice there, Jackson. Um, yeah, so I mean, oh, got another Daniel D. I guess DB's Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan versus Dunn. We all know he ain't winning Sunday. Yeah, I, I when they first said the best wrestler in the world, that's the first thing that came to my mind. And I, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do that unless they have something planned for Bryan at WrestleMania. And even if they do, they can, they can do both. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, you're right. I mean, takeovers Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, Mania, Mania Saturday, Sunday. So uh, yeah, Dan, I mean, Daniel Bryan in the NXT capacity. That's something that certainly would fit and that could be a needle mover yeah that for nxt on wednesday nights having dan o'brien to to the audience that you're fighting over on wednesday night with aew to that particular audience what they like you know daniel bryan's a daniel bryan's a a, a god that is prayed to so. yeah and like daniel bryan is he's been saying that this might be his last wrestlemania i know he's been saying that he's not going to be a full-time star for much longer so he's doing a lot of bucket list things like wrestling cesaro and you know, the style that Pete Dunn wrestles, I know Daniel Bryan's a huge fan of. He wants that submission match, uh, and I think a match like this would be something that would really intrigue Daniel Bryan in terms of one of his last matches. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so that was uh, NXT. So, I mean, both shows entertaining, but like you offered, I, I think AEW took – there was just more more of my attention going to AEW again because of, like, all right, what's this group to pinnacle? What is – what the hell are the women doing? Um so, again, two good shows. Uh, AEW, though, slightly takes it for me. Uh, real quick, let's get into one news item. So we know WrestleMania is going to be two nights. Uh, Monday night, it was Monday night, yeah, Monday night, uh, WWE tells us and we get the press release that, okay, we're delaying. We'll, we'll let you know before the week's out, but we're delaying when tickets are going to go on sale. I said everybody, like, I mean, look, we're less than a month. Like, what's going on here? Uh, we now know tickets are going on sale. They're going on sale this weekend. And we are hearing from credible reports that the tickets for each night are going to be about 25000 total. Uh, we had heard rumblings offered that they might try to go for as many as 40000 or 45000 which that would have made that, uh, if, if sold out, that would have made it the largest event and gathering since this pandemic started. They're not going to go that. They're going to do what I believe the Super Bowl did, which is 25000 per night, um, which, you know, look – the NFL already laid the model for you. They laid the model of how many you can have, how do you socially distance and do the pods. They already did it for you. So just, you know, take their lead um, and do it safely. And so uh, I think good news overall. 25,000 fans. 25,000 is going to sound it's, – it's, it's just going to be amazing to see 25,000 wrestling fans. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought this was good news. This um, was WWE essentially airing on the side of caution. If those – uh, and there was anything those reports of them possibly gearing up for 45000 per night. Uh, there was some concern that them putting the delay on selling tickets meant that they were going to open the whole stadium up as a full show. But to see them kind of reel back maybe and just do 25000 a night sounds perfectly safe, and it's more encouraging to me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, to be, and to be clear, I mean, in Florida, if they wanted to do full capacity, they could. Yeah. Uh, so just That's, throw it out there. Vince that's McMahon. what my gut told me. I thought Vince, that's what they were doing. Vince had the option of, <laughs> you technically could. Um, luckily, he got advised by somebody or some or some bodies. Um, but uh, but yeah, so twenty five thousand each night. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see. It's gonna you know wrestlers in the past always complain about manias and open air stadiums how the sound just goes up and out. But I have a feeling like they're gonna appreciate twenty five thousand that they can <laughs> or whatever they can hear this time. Uh, the open-ended stadium. Uh, Kevin Irvin, uh, $5. Looks like Danny Burch got injured during the main event. Ooh. Dropped right on his head by cross. Yeah, I, did, um, I, I didn't see the spot, Kevin. I, I, like Alfred said earlier, I always had my eyes more on the other screen. But uh, I, I heard, I kept seeing chatter that something somebody looked like hurt. And then Mick Foley even tweeted 
and he tagged NXT, he said, I hope everyone is okay. And it was during this match, so I'd read McFoley say, I hope everyone's okay. And I'm thinking, well, this is a McFoley match on Dynamite, but then he tagged NXT. And so I was like, huh. So yeah, yeah, Kevin, I'll have to go back and look at the spot. Yeah, but, me yeah, too. Hopefully he is, he is okay. Um, all right, I think that is all of our super chats. So uh, last call uh, for anybody who wants to throw some super chats in there. But Alfred, overall, um, you know, Dynamite, NXT, what, you know, what, is, what is gravity the most right now out of these Wednesday nights when you, when you tune in? Oh, that's a good question. I think uh, AEW is doing a lot of good stuff. I like that they're finally getting to Finn Balor and Karrion Cross. That's really starting to get my attention there on NXT, and I really love what they did with Santos Escobar. But I think the um, AEW, what they've kind of done to recover from the Kenny Omega exploding dud, uh, I think John Moxley has been a lot better, and I think Kenny Omega has really stepped up his game. So, um, you know, both shows have good, and then obviously the, the general bad stuff that we complain about every week. But overall, I have good feelings about both. Uh, this is not a super chat, but I felt worth answering. Alonzo saying, will Mania be live both nights or will they tape the whole show in one night and air it for the two nights by splitting the show in half? Well, Alonzo, look, if they have 25,000 fans in attendance, they're not going to be taping anything because that's you're, you're not going to have Mania getting leaked and, and spoiled with clips all over social media. You're not going to stop people from taking video clips. So uh, mm -hmm. Mania will very much be live if it's in front of uh, 25,000 fans. So, uh, so that's, that's that. All right. Well, that's going to do it here for Wednesday night. Um, Albert, I think you and I will be back. I know, I know. I think you and I definitely be back together Sunday night after fast. Yes, I'll be here Sunday night. All right, Looking Sunday night. My, myself, Albert, I think Glenn as well. So yeah, uh, it'll be a good, good, good trio for Sunday night there. Uh, of course, Friday night after SmackDown, you'll get some combination of the wrestling Inc., uh, the wrestling Inc. crew. So all kinds of podcasts to tune into and uh, check out. Uh, you can check out Alfred on Forbes.com. Read his wonderful articles in addition to what he's doing here with us. Uh, in addition to my wrestling stuff, I'll be on Busted Open Radio every Friday morning as I am with Dave LeGrec and Mark Henry, 10 a.m. Eastern, or listen anytime on the SiriusXM app, listen on demand. So we're everywhere. We're, we're influencing. We're dominating. We're engaging. It's pro wrestling craziness, and the season it is, WrestleMania, and, and AEW is doing some big things, too, as we talked about. So good time to be a fan. Uh, drop us a line. He's at This Is Nasty. I am at Justin Labar. Be safe. Comment. Hit the like button. We'll see you next Wednesday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.